It's time for JT the Brick. Raider Nation, unite! We're a show based on fans. Embrace the culture, embrace the history of this organization. Feels like football. Man, you know, since I've been here, I've only had one winning season. So really, like, all the individual accolades don't really mean nothing when you don't win. That's a gritty, gutty win! Yeah, this is what I dreamed of, you know? This is this is what it's all about. We're not going backwards. We're going to do this right. Obviously, you know, that we would love to, you know, play in a Super Bowl in our hometown. They hate you. They despise you. They think you're a bunch of thugs. JT the Brick. Who's the number one rival of the Broncos? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of the Chargers? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of Kansas City? Without question, the Oakland, L.A., and now Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I don't care who I play against. I go out there. I, I don't discriminate. I treat everybody the same way. When we, when we go out there, and I'm more concerned about what we're doing as a football team and what I'm doing personally. And now, your Las Vegas Raiders. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT on a busy, busy day today. A gorgeous day in Las Vegas. Hope you're doing well. we got a lot to cover today, and it's going to go fast, and I hope to hear from you. You know the number. It's 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. The Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. We thank Golden Entertainment. They own the Strat. Used to be called the Stratosphere. Not anymore. It's the Strat. They're putting in an unbelievable golf environment there. Go up to the top and have a great meal at the top of the world and the pool. I am seeing an event at the pool two weeks ago. It was brilliant up there. Fantastic. Some of the best views I saw back to the valley. Amazing. At the Red Rock Mountains all the way from the Strat. Love being there. Love that they're a proud partner. And PTs fuels the monologue. You know, my son graduated from college. He's back home. He's working. He's got a job. I'm real proud of him. And he told me, he said, hey, Dad. With three and three. He's a Raider fan. I wasn't born a Raider fan. I became part of the organization with my role, my limited role, and I love it. My son was born a Raider fan. And my other son was born a Raider fan. And they've been heard and they've met a lot of the alumni over the years who have been to my home or we've been to their homes. When the kids were in strollers, now my son's six foot three, 220 pounds with a job walking around with a Raider shirt on inside the house, proud that the team has won two in a row. He knows this isn't the greatest Raider team of all time. He, he sees the stuff I have on the wall in my house from the legends of the game. We don't celebrate in the Raider nation three and three in second place in the division but this year the league is in absolute chaos it's upside down shaken all around and the Raiders are in a pretty good spot raise your hand and beep your horn if I told you before the season started the Raiders would be three and three would you be okay with that a lot of the Twitter trolls that have Raiders something in their first name try to tear down the team every day and they're not looking at the big picture what is the big picture The big picture is, is the organization moving forward to get to a consistent playoff level? That was the exact message from Gruden told to me. The exact message or close to from Dave Ziegler told to me. All they're trying to do, all these coaches and GMs and the people who are here, are trying to get the team to a spot where every year they're in the playoffs, i.e. Kansas City, Baltimore, Green Bay for a long period of time, not now what the Patriots used to do. So if you make the playoffs six out of seven years in a row, three times you might get to the AFC Championship game, two you might win the Super Bowl like Kansas City. That's all everybody's trying to do. And everybody's pulling in the same direction here, and it's hard. And some years it's easier than others, and other years it's hard. And you got to play well, and your quarterback's got to be healthy, and you got to draft the right players, and you got to hope that you don't have injuries. It is hard to win in this league. 
So the Raiders have won the last two weeks in a row, which were must-wins. You notice I'm not saying Chicago is a must-win. I'm trying to wonder why I'm not saying that this week. It feels like a must-win. They're playing a quarterback that we've never heard of in our life, that we've never heard of, and the guy's name is Tyson Bajant. You would think that'd be pretty much of a must-win, but I'm coming off the last two games at home against the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots, and those games were really roller coaster rides, man. I am drained. I am drained just by sitting in my seats, moving around and going, oh, my God, I don't like the math. It's 1917. We could lose. We could lose on a game-winning field goal if New England catches that ball at the 50. Zeke Elliott runs it twice. They're going to they're gonna win the game on a game-winning field goal. That's draining, man. And then Mad Max Crosby, let's get to the play. Mad Max and Bilal Nichols, this is the signature play so far of the 2023 season. How about we finish this off with a safety, shall we? <laughs> Forward on territory, obviously. Jones standing in his own end zone to our right. Snap, back to pass. Pressure again off the edge. And he's sent for the safety. Crosby and Nichols, they met in the end zone. They squished him to the turf. And the Raiders' defense has that safety. Yeah, that's a great call by Jason Horowitz. There's been some great voices in the history of the Raiders as play-by-play. That was a great call. He called the safety before it happened. And then the most difficult thing he did is he identified Bilal Nichols getting to the quarterback right when Max did. That's hard to do play-by-play, man. A lot of times you need to see the replay. So that's a great call by Jason Horowitz and the Raiders win. So the Raiders are 3-3. Three and three, And the reason why that's so interesting is if you go around the league, a lot of the league is 2-4. and four. Some teams have one win. The Giants last year went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. They have one win. You go around the league and there's a lot of mediocrity. And the Raiders are a mediocre team now. Fact, not fiction. Look at the way they're playing. But they're in a good spot. And if they win this game to get to four wins, I think we're definitely going to see the Chargers lose at Kansas City. The Chargers are going to go to two and four. And when you look at the division here, Kansas City is going to be the story and the Raiders right behind them. So are you glass half full or glass half empty? In life, I think anybody who knows me, my friends will say I'm life is glass full, overflowing full with my family and my life and what I want to do on radio. I tend to get nervous and and my energy and I get uptight because that's the nature of this job, man. It's a roller coaster ride. So I found out yesterday I'm going to Chicago with the team, excited to travel on the team charter, get out there. I'm looking forward to that. I love Chicago as a city. It's an unbelievable sports town. Let me know if there's any Raider Nation going out there so we can all hook up. And I hope the Raiders win the game. But I can guarantee you this. I can almost guarantee you this. Or predict this is the right word. It's going to be a heart attack. All these games freak me out. All these games should be easy. They should be a blowout win. Somewhere there should be a blowout and it never is. And the other team has the ball with an opportunity to win or the Raiders get the ball and they need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Can we have something? Can we have one bleeping game where the score is 30 to 14 with four minutes left where Raider fans are actually leaving the game because they want to get back to the steakhouse or the club in Vegas? Every game is so bleeping dramatic. Every game is like a heart attack. Everybody's sitting in their seats pulling their hair out. Where's the good game? Where's the game where the offense is going to play well? I talked to someone in the building today who made a great point. You don't have to win, the first, you don't have to win four quarters in a football game. You don't have to win four. 
you got to win two. And then you got to hope you don't screw up the other two. You got to win two quarters. You got to be dominant in half the game. And then you play even in one of the quarters. And then at the end, just don't screw it up and you'll win the games. The Raiders do not know how to put opponents away. And I am deeply, deeply concerned by that. I'll be the first to admit, along with many others, I did the podcast today with Q. The team, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought he was going to be a lot better. And I think what the topic is going to be, what the topic is going to be is can Jimmy G come back and play better? Can he just come back and play better? Or did we get it wrong with Jimmy G? I'm not going there. I like Jimmy G a lot. I was the first to interview him. I had a shot of tequila with him at a, at a hockey game. Casamigos. And now I got a better tequila client now. I got the best one in town coming up here with Tequila Commissario. But my point is, Jimmy G, I thought Jimmy G was going to be pretty damn good, and he hasn't been. So what do you want to do with that? Can he play better? I think he can. I think he can play better. If he plays better, how good are the Raiders? That is such a good, juicy Raider topic. Even the YouTubers can steal it from me and get that going tonight. By the way, I have a YouTube live tonight at 6 p.m. Pacific, YouTube, JT the Brick, YT. But I'll say that again. I mean, what happens if Jimmy G wakes up and starts playing really good? How good can the Raiders be? Because the defense is better than expected. They're actually pretty good. (laughs) And the offense has been below average, not even average, below average. What happens if Jimmy G surpasses below average, gets to average, gets to good, and then maybe very good? How good could the Raiders be at that point? That would be very intriguing to me. Because I think that's the only way that the season could be a playoff season. I think that's the only way that that could happen. If you want to talk about the Raiders making the playoffs, I think the most important thing is going to be that the Raiders have to get Jimmy Garoppolo to play better. Or we're just going to have to go down the road of playing Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. And I don't think Jimmy, even if Jimmy isn't playing well, I don't think he should be benched. Jimmy Garoppolo has been winning bleeping football games for long enough where he doesn't get benched. If he's playing poorly, we help Jimmy get better, the coaches, and then Jimmy finds his way and Jimmy starts playing better. Speaking of playing better, no one's better than our Vegas Golden Knights. No one. They are the reigning cup champions and they're off to a hell of a start. The great Gary Lawless joins us, one of the best broadcasters in all the NHL. We gave, we gave you a lot of break during the offseason to take the cup around the world and be with the family. How are you, bud? I'm good, JT. How you doing, bud? Good. I got to start with the banner ceremony. I wish I could have went. I couldn't go that night, and I watched it. And when the banner went up to the rafters, I said, man, that's a hell of a banner. <laughs> Mr. Foley spent some money on it. Nothing like, no disrespect to the other banners, but they put a picture up against Colorado's, and it was like, woo, the haves and have-nots. How special was that night for you, your family, and especially on the broadcast? Uh, you know, I think it was special for Las Vegas. Uh, you know, it's, uh, when you think about how long this city went without major professional sports and the Golden Knights, we're the first team to come here. They, they're, they're Vegas born. I think that's a very special banner. And if the Raiders ever win a Super Bowl or when the Raiders win a Super Bowl, obviously the NFL is the NFL. That'll be, uh, that'll be immense. But right now, um, right there with the Aces, one of the greatest moments in, uh, in Las, Las Vegas sporting history. 
Yeah, it was that good. So when, when, the, when you go on a lot of radio shows and you talk about it on the podcast and everything you do, when people wonder, not fade the ring ceremony, you know, that first night, everyone's too in love with the banner. No, they came out and they look great. When you talked in the offseason about the potential for the team to start fast, to be healthy after a short offseason, was this what you expected? Well, they're not healthy, right? They played with five regulars out in their last game. Uh, tonight, they're still down three on the blue line. Petrangelo, White Cloud, and Martinez. But, you know, a, a nod to the depth that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee have built around here. They're able to go, you know, they're using their ninth defenseman. Number nine in the depth chart is playing. And they're still winning. Uh, now, they beat San Jose and Anaheim uh, along with Seattle, and you know the Sharks and the Ducks are awful. So mm-hmm. it's still the NHL. You got to, you know, there's parity. You got to go out and win. But uh, this is a bigger test against the Stars tonight. They do get Brett Howden and Will Carrier back, and that will certainly help. But uh, you know, Alex Petrangelo is you know, one of the most important players on the best team in the world. You take him out of the lineup, and it's a, it's a huge factor. In fact, and then you know you include. White Cloud and Martinez, who are, you know, uh, very, very important players as well. It's tough to win. But Bruce Cassidy's got a knack for he puts people in the right spots. He really works hard at when a player gets called up. He makes sure he plays that guy. So the next time he recalls the guy, the, the player knows he fits. He, he understands uh, what he has to do to be successful. And it's, you know, you reap what you sow. And Bruce really believes and he's an organizational coach and that he doesn't just have a 60-minute horizon. He's worried about the whole season. Gary Lawless is our guest from the Knights broadcast team. So when the team is completely at full strength and the depth of the lines for the fans who are jumping in this year, what is the complete strength of this team, their overall strength? Is it offense or defense? Well, it's balance. They're the most complete team in the NHL. You look at their four centermen, Eichel, Stevenson, Carlson, and Waugh, they could all score 20 goals. Eichel could score 40 or 50. Stevenson could score 30. Uh, Carlson had, has scored 40. He scored 43 in year one. Uh, they've, they've got guys that can really produce at center ice, but then they're, real, they're tremendous defensively. And then when, they, when Vegas has their six, defense, six top six defensemen healthy and playing, it's the best group in the league. So You've got wow. strength down the middle and on the blue line. Uh, it's what every coach would want to would want to put out on the ice. And Vegas is the best in the NHL in those two areas. Gary Lawless, as we wrap it up, so you always hear this with a champion, especially with Kansas City and football. They play Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. They're always playing prime time, and every team is giving them their best punch. They want to beat the best team. It's too early in the season before you get out on the road for long stretches, but do you sense that's coming, that every rink is going to be off the charts and there'll be a couple of more Golden Knights jerseys on the road than maybe in years past, but every night the head coach, the fans, the opposing team, when Golden Knights are on the road, are going to be ready to go. It's their big game. Well, the, the opposition players, you know, they're driving into the – into the rink on Tuesday, and they're like, yeah, we've got the L.A. Kings tonight. But Saturday or Thursday, it's the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, and that'll be a real test for the, the Jets, Blues, whoever it is. The players hear that. And then after a couple of days, they're like, 
you know, I'm sick of hearing about the Vegas Golden Knights. And then they also, you're right, they want to measure themselves against that. So certainly you do get the best from the opposition. But that's, you know, the Golden Knights play their best when there's a challenge. That's, the, you know, Bruce Cassidy talks about, you know, the, the thing that really drives his team. And it's, they like to win. So when you, when you, when you give them a challenge, uh, a number of players have said this, have said this already this year, bring it on. You know, that, that, that will bring the best out of us. Love it. I will be in Chicago traveling with the Raiders. The wife is flying in ahead of me. We are packing VGK gear. Vegas in Chicago Saturday. Raiders on Sunday. Just make the texture call if available for a glass of vino. And uh, love to see you. This is a big one, especially with the new kid in town in Chicago. A lot of people are talking about this game well ahead of time. Yeah, they went in. The, the Hawks went into Toronto last night and gave the Leafs a, uh, a drubbing. So, Ooh. and it's it's Chicago's home opener on Saturday night. So, uh, the Blackhawks, the building will be sold out, and Blackhawks fans are going to be getting their first regular season look at Connor Bedard. So, uh, and the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, the the, the 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 Madhouse on Madison will be buzzing. Take care, my friend. We we'll look forward to having you on a bunch this year, as always. Thank you. All right, JT. Talk to you later. Gary Lawless, one of the best broadcasters in all of hockey. Good talk show host. Can do everything great uh, with the Knights and everything they do. Podcast, TV, radio. Did not know that that's Chicago's home opener. Ooh. Oh, you know, when you go in as a fan and you wear gear to a team's home opener or a now, if hockey's not like football where you're seeing – how many crazy fights have you seen this year in football? I mean, did you see the fight – with the Cowboy fans and the Charger fans last night. I mean, we have a Shangri-La. We have a palace in Vegas. I'm all over the place. I see everybody behaving well. If, if I miss something and it pops up on social media, I, I think I can speak well for Allegiant Stadium. There's a cop every 15 feet I look. Uh, people come in there. It's a higher-priced ticket, so you don't see as many fights. I'm not in the upper, upper deck, but I'm around the place. But hockey, man... Hockey is a sport where everybody's boozing, and it's the home opener for Connor Bedard. I did not know that Vegas has played all these hockey games so far, and they're going to be the road team for the Blackhawks' home opener. Man, I might want to think that one through again. That's a, that's a really interesting environment to go into. All right, so Gary came out of nowhere. Happy we can get him up. Paul Gutierrez will join us. Also, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. Kirk Morrison, right, former Raider linebacker. I got a monster show lined up for you, but I want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. So this, if Jimmy G was 100% healthy, then I would really pivot to the fact that Jimmy's got to be better and Jimmy's got to play great and it's got to start in Chicago. Come on. I mean, that's, that's Captain Obvious stuff. That's what they call low-hanging fruit. If Jimmy Garoppolo can't go into Chicago where he's from, and go up against Tyson Bajant and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, then what do we have here long-term? Or if Jimmy G was not perfectly healthy and played, but didn't play well, or if Jimmy G can't go, then we're going to talk about probably Hoyer playing. A little tease ahead on what we talked about on Raider Roundtable today, which I think they release at 1 o'clock on YouTube. Lincoln Kennedy, Q Myers, and myself all believe that Brian Hoyer should play over Aiden O'Connell if he ends up having to go. All of us believe that because he just played a good game. 
Brian Hoyer didn't manage that game. He won the game. The throw to Trey, Tuck, Trey Tucker, the couple other throws underneath. He, he played well enough to win that game. And I think his experience is more important than the upside of Aiden O'Connell. But I think there's going to be a lot of Raider fans that say, no, let Aiden O'Connell play because we got to see what we have. That's another term that you hear often in the NFL. You hear this term often. Let's see what we got with the young quarterback. Well, it's, you, know, you do that when your team's one and five. You do that when your team's two and four. Your team's three and three, and right in the middle of the pack, I don't need to see the new guy, Aiden O'Connell. It's not a priority for me to see Aiden O'Connell play, but if he does, I'll back him. I'm completely behind him, pulling for him 100%. But this is a game where we got to figure out exactly what's going to happen. What's going to happen if Jimmy G can't go? So we're in no man's land today. As the team is off today, Wednesday they come back. I doubt we'll see Jimmy G at practice, don't know. If it shows up that he's in a limited capacity, that would be very encouraging for all of us. And if Jimmy G was 100% healthy, which maybe he can get to, maybe Jimmy G, whatever happened internally, whatever they checked out, I don't know, maybe he wakes up on Friday and he feels perfect. And if he doesn't, they have to shut him down. And the health of Jimmy Garoppolo is the key. But the Raiders can't screw up this game in Chicago at any cost. If it was Justin Fields healthy versus Brian Hoyer, I'd be kind of nervous because Justin Fields already beat the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium, and he is a bull in a china shop. When that guy starts running, you got to have Robert Spillane, Marcus Epps. you got to have everybody pursue him because it takes a couple of guys to pull him to the ground. Uh, Justin Fields is a really shaky player, as we all know, very shaky, but he's a good runner. So where are you today in the Raider Nation? Let me tell you where I am. It is October 17th, 2023, and the Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. I got my A game, okay? I'm taking advantage of this right now. I thought they'd be 3-3. Three and three. I don't need a trophy for nailing it. It was easy to say the Raiders would be 3-3. Three and three. Now they got to find out if they can get to 6-4. and four. Now, I'm not saying they're going to lose to Detroit. I got a lot of good Detroit content coming up next week. Everybody wants to crown them. You want to crown them? Then crown their ass. I'm not crowning Detroit. Detroit has sucked your entire life, and that's if you're in your 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, or a teenager. The Detroit Lions have been god-awful your entire life, and all of a sudden, we're going to be nervous about Detroit? Like, we can't win in Detroit? What the hell is that all about? So Detroit, maybe they drafted some better players than the Raiders recently. Maybe Jared Goff is playing higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. I agree with all that, but Detroit doesn't have the exact players that the Raiders have. I don't sense any Raider Nation is throwing in the towel against Detroit. I mean, we got to play Miami and Kansas City, and we already lost to Buffalo. Those were games to be very concerned about. What the hell are we worried about Detroit? In the last three, five, six years, the, uh, the, the Dolphins were no good. No good. So the goal of the Raider organization, as we said, get to Kansas City's level. How about the Raiders get to Detroit's level and Miami's level? They seem to turn it around fairly quickly. And that's what we hope that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are capable of doing. I'm hoping that they're capable of turning this team, this year's team, which is very average, with a highly improved defense, fix the offense, keep the defense humming and playing well. And then the Raiders can go into a lot of these other games and be very productive. Again, I talked to a Raider player off the record because he didn't want to be on the record, which is fine. And that's okay about the schedule. And after he said one game at a time, he said to me, 
we can win a lot of the games that are coming up. And I said, that's all I need. I got that. And I believe that. And I think you all agree it too. But the Raiders aren't going to beat Chicago, and they're not going to win a lot of games if the offense doesn't improve. That's the biggest topic, I think, on the radio the next two to three weeks and on the podcast and what you guys and gals talk about in the sports bar amongst yourselves. Why are we waiting for this offense to be really good? There's too many good players on this offense for it to be stagnant or to just have a couple of big plays here and there. We need this team to wake up, and I think it's all on the offensive line. Oh, and I got no problem putting pressure on the O-line. Are you kidding me? I have no problem. I know a lot of offensive linemen like you know in the Raider Nation. From the great Art Shell to my friend who was a really good underrated player, Barry Sims. Go down the list to Barrett Robbins when he played here. And my partner on a lot of these platforms, Lincoln Kennedy. These offensive linemen get paid an enormous amount of money to play their best football. They have not done that this year. So if they need a little bit of pressure and a little bit of heat on them because they could be replaced, and here's the whole hook to the monologue. Whole hook to the monologue brought to you by Raisin Cane's best chicken fingers in town. Take it from me. This trade deadline is real. This trade deadline is real. There are players capable of being moved from the Las Vegas Raiders to other teams, not for a white flag. There are players who can be traded for better players coming in if they believe that they can get a better player at the trade deadline that can improve the team. All right, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not talking about an individual player. I'm just telling you ahead of time, this trade deadline is real. Uh, over the last 20, 30, 40 years, most GMs don't make trades. They look at the cap hit. They look at the player. They don't get a good enough draft pick. The greatest trade maybe in modern NFL history was Mike Haynes made by Al Davis. That involved the court system and Mike Haynes delivering a Super Bowl very quickly. But I believe this year the trade deadline is real. And I think the Raiders, I, won't, I don't want to use the word active, but I think something will go down. And we'll be talking about that next week, especially if the Raiders beat the Bears. And there's an opportunity to improve the team before the trade deadline. I, I have trust that Dave Ziegler is looking at everything very closely, and he'll try to improve the team. 702-365-9200. Thanks to Gary Lawless, who joined us in the monologue. Paul Gutierrez, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. And hopefully we'll hear from you, because I show up every day, man. I'm ready to roll. Uh, this Friday, a limited show is I'll jump on the plane and go to Chicago with the Raiders. And I hope when I get there, there'll be a lot of Raider Nation there. That's a good hub for Raider fans to get to. Get to that in the Midwest. You can come from the South. You can come from the East Coast. You can get to Chicago pretty easy. Weather's going to be nice. And hopefully Bo Jackson, who now lives there, will be there. He's always around when we're in Chicago. Hopefully some other Raider alumni will be around. And hopefully the Raiders will win three in a row. The show begins now. Sound off like you got a pair. This is the flagship of the silver and black. Second and 15, throw out to Stevenson at the 20, and he bobbles it right into the arms of Peters, and he can't hang on either. A long throw from the left hash all the way out to the right sideline, trying to hit the running back in front of the Raiders' bench. Marcus Peters was right there, and Ramondre Stevenson was like, whoop! 
All right, Marcus Peters is another guy we could talk about. I would hope I've said this a number of times, so I'll slow my roll. JT, welcome back. Uh, Marcus Peters is another guy who needs to be evaluated at a higher level because he's a high-level player. So uh, Marcus Peters against a quarterback that I continue to have to look at my notes every time I mention him, Tyson Bajent. You would think that Marcus Peters is walking around the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center just licking his chops, can't wait to play this kid. If he's going to play, and most likely he is, and Marcus Peters has so much more experience than a quarterback with a limited upside. So I'm wondering what you think about the play of a couple of individuals here. I screenshot this off of SportsCenter this morning. Tyson Bajent is an undrafted rookie out of Shepherd University. His father, Travis Bajent, is a 28-time world champion arm wrestler. His dad's got to be pretty tough, but here's the key. He's the NCAA all-time leader in career touchdowns. What? Yes, NCAA, Shepherd University is a college. He's the all-time leader, not at Shepherd University, in all of the NCAA ever with 159 touchdowns. Undrafted and the Raiders, the schedule comes out and you get an undrafted rookie from Shepherd University on the schedule? What kind of gift from God is that? I mean, that is a big deal when you still got to play Tua, who's playing better than expected. I'll get to Justin Herbert in a minute. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is one of the big names rumored in the trade on the trade block, but he has a no trade clause. And he and his family is a guy who gives his kids a bath every night and reads them a story. He might not want to move them out of school and be traded. And then I look at who the other quarterbacks that the Raiders are playing, Patrick Mahomes twice, and Russell Wilson, who's really struggling. So the struggles, the struggles overall are real for the teams that the Raiders are playing coming up here. And we just saw that Green Bay played okay. The Raiders played a really ugly game and won. New England's a bad football team. It's really crazy that New England could be playing this poorly. And then on top of that, uh, we saw... You know, the Chicago game come, I think everybody thought this was a win. Now, the Jet game, as we look ahead at the schedule here, we looked ahead coming up. The Giants, Daniel Jones not concerned about the Raiders should win and beat the Giants, but the Giants outperformed Buffalo the other night. Buffalo kicked the Raiders' ass, killed them, and the Giants outplayed Buffalo in Buffalo. So I look at that game a little bit differently, and the Jet game is completely different. When the schedule came out with the Jets, with Aaron Rodgers when the season started with that defense, you knew the Jets were going to be a favorite. Now with Zach Wilson, the Raiders could win this game because the Jets can't sustain any offense. But the Raiders haven't been able to sustain a consistent offense. The Jets' defense is better than the Raiders, but the Raiders' defense is playing pretty good. That leads me to last night and what went down in the Charger loss to the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's a pivotal moment in our season, everyone. That is a huge huge moment in this season because if the Chargers would have beat the Dallas Cowboys last night I truly believe they would have made the playoffs I think that would have got them to three and two they lose to Kansas City they're three and three and I really believe even before the season came out that the Chargers were going to end up winning about 10 games I had the Chargers in the playoffs as a wild card before the season started if the Chargers lose this game Sunday to Kansas City they're done they're out they're not coming back from two and four I believe they might fire their coach They might fire their coach. 
So there's a big moment in the Chargers last night. Justin Herbert was seen crying. I retweeted that. Those were real tears. He threw the interception when he left the game. He was crying. Are you kidding me? He was actually crying, and it looked like Joey Bosa was in tears on the sideline. So the Chargers lost to Dallas last night. I picked Dallas to win the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl pick this year. Dak Prescott played well. They looked like the team that I predicted would go deep into the playoffs and have a chance to win. Philadelphia didn't look good last week. They lost to the Jets. And the 49ers gave us a real taste of what could happen when Brock Purdy plays a good defense. Cleveland played good on defense, but the Niners missed a kick going forward. So with the schedule here today, assuming the Raiders go, I have to have to assume it. I have to assume that the Raiders are going to end up going four and three. If the Raiders go to four and three and the Chargers go to two and four, you look at the rest of the standings here, depending on what happens. It's too early to scoreboard watch, but it'll be easy for us to scoreboard watch in the AFC West. We know that Denver is dead. They are roadkill. They're done. If the Chargers go to two and four, I don't think they can recover with their coach. They have a terrible coach in Brandon Staley who puts them in bad positions all the time. Uh, The Raiders have the same record as Indianapolis and Houston, the same record as Cincinnati. Uh, I think when you look at the rest of the teams there and the Jets, the Jets who are three and three, I think the Raiders are as good as all those teams I mentioned other than Cincinnati if Cincinnati gets it right. So it's not too early to talk about the next game, which is Chicago, but if the Raiders end up beating Chicago, I think it'll be great. So we're waiting on Jimmy G news. Today, Ian Rappaport on NFL Network had to say this about number 10. It did sound like the Raiders got better than expected news after a battery of tests for Jimmy Garoppolo. Several of those tests happened in the hospital. You mentioned it. Garoppolo went from the game, ruled out to a local hospital with backslash rib injuries. And the reason why they do this is because they want to rule out some sort of internal injury. And a lot of times at the hospital, the MRI machine, the CT scan, all the tests they do are better than they are at the stadium or if the stadium even has it. That is why Garoppolo went to the hospital. Now, From my knowledge, it would still be a little bit of a challenge for him to play this week. Not ruled out, but a little bit of a challenge. But we will see if it is Aiden O'Connell, the really promising rookie, who got sacked all those times against the Chargers, or maybe it's Brian Hoyer who won in his revenge game in relief for the Raiders. All right, so that's what they're talking about with him. I don't know what Rappaport knows or doesn't know, but he's not confident enough to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to play, but confident enough not to rule him out. I kind of see the same thing. My gut tells me, my gut tells me he won't play because he was taken to the hospital for internal injuries that they had to check out. But if he can play, I hope he can play. If he gets completely cleared and Jimmy feels like he could go, it could be a big moment for him in Raider Nation lore. A lot of Raider fans will be like, wow, look at Jimmy. He's, he decided to play. He's going to play in this game. I'd like to see that happen, but I understand the Raiders have to protect him even if Jimmy G wants to play. There might be a decision not to play him at all. And then friend of the show, Dr. David Chow, who's really the best doctor when it comes to seeing injuries happen and making decisions in real time. On his platform, he talked about Justin Fields, the quarterback of Chicago, and what happened there. But when you dislocate your thumb, you do tear ligaments. Where is the thumb dislocation? By this picture, it does not look like it's at the tip or the IP joint. It's more at the base or the MCP area. And at this point in time, even without a fracture, 
Surgery is a possibility. Likely torn ligaments. The key is which ligaments torn and an MRI will show that. And there is the potential of stabilization surgery to repair ligaments, maybe sometimes even to pin the joint. And so it doesn't sound like he's going to have any grip on the ball to be able to play. He's just not going to be able to play this week, which should be a benefit for the silver and black. Jorge, start us off. Thanks for checking in in San Jose. What do you got for me? Hey, JT. Um, you know, I was just thinking about what you were talking about with regards to our offense and, and this Chicago game coming up. And, mm-hmm. you know, Coach has always been talking about trying to be in manageable situations, right, where he doesn't want to be in third and longs. He wants to be in second and twos. He wants to be in, in second and manageable, third and manageable. And that mm-hmm. starts on first down. And I really think that on top of the O-line getting better, you know, it, we need to be more productive on first down. I re- although I liked – that we got the tight ends involved. A lot of those were trying to bail us out of these third down situations. So I think if if the Raiders are able to get better starts, and I wanted to ask you what you mm-hmm. think needs to happen on first down um, for as far as the play calling and as far as the execution, because that is what's going to establish us in manageable situations. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I feel like coach is too conservative on first down. I think he needs to be more aggressive and then – and take those risks mm-hmm. and then manage the game and be and make the decisions as a coach, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's good. has to be a key to this game. And I'm yeah. interested in what you got to say about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of an aggressive guy. I'd like to see coach and the quarterbacks, whoever it is, just play faster. That's all. That's the only thing I ever say. I don't think it's a hard criticism. I just like to see him play. No huddle, uh, play faster, you know, don't huddle all the, every play, get some rhythm going. And we did a lot today on Raiders Roundtable that's going to come out in 15 minutes on Michael Mayer. Did you see how they scripted the plays for Michael Mayer on that first drive? Do it again. Michael Mayer, put him in motion. Have him do some of these crossing routes. And I like Devontae on these slants. Devontae's getting blown up on a lot of these pass plays. I mean, they are laying Devontae out with some of these lead passes, and he is getting hit hard. He got hit hard twice brutally so far this year. Once against New England, and then obviously what we saw – in Denver early in the year, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. And no, excuse me, it was Buffalo. It was Buffalo. So for Devontae, I'd like to see Devontae get some touches early in a game on some easy passes at the line of scrimmage or some in slants. Remember, the safety is double teaming Devontae. The safety only is double teaming Devontae between 12 and 15 yards deep. Well, if Devontae makes a little head fake and cuts in towards the middle of the field and catches a slant, he's so long that even if he gets tackled, he's going to fall forward for seven or eight yards. So Devontae and Michael Mayer, I think, are the best options to get the Raiders going and be more aggressive. And then if you're, then if you're going to try to run the ball early to get Josh going, go ahead. But if it's not working out, get out of it. This is only if Jimmy's healthy, by the way. If Jimmy's healthy completely, I'd turn this into a passing team. Let me repeat. I would turn this into an aggressive, balls-out passing team. I'd open it up with some deep balls. I'd throw more to Devontae. I'd get Hunter involved, but that ship might have sailed. Jacoby and Jimmy have excellent chemistry already, and Michael Mayer has risen. He's ready to roll. I say this team opens up the offense, plays faster, runs a little no huddle or up-tempo, calls two plays at once, and just gets aggressive because they have elite offensive players, and they don't have an elite offensive line. 
So the ball's got to come out pretty quickly. Let me get out to Sacramento, my longtime friend Chris in Sacramento, who was pivotal over the summer as we built the Raiders all-time team on radio. What's going on, Chris? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that, but thanks. Hey, you keep saying if Jimmy G's healthy. When has Jimmy G ever been healthy? That was the big knock coming in. I mean, yeah, he's won all these games when he played, but he's never, ever been able to stay on the field. And as far as Michael Mayer, I drafted him in my fantasy league this year because I was at that game against BYU when Notre Dame beat BYU at Allegiant last year. That kid was a man among boys in that game. And we come out, I thought, why wouldn't you utilize this talent? And we come out in the first several games with our head coach, who's this offensive guru, and all we do is throw the ball down the field to Jacoby and Devontae. We never throw to the tight end. We don't throw to the run back of the backfield. Certainly Hunter Renfro disappears. Never throw to him at all. And then we come back in the last couple of games, and all we do is throw to the running back and the tight end. And, and I, I don't understand. We're so one-dimensional, and it's different every game, but it, it, it's so frustrating. And then we come out. I'm at the game in, in Vegas the other day, and we, we got the ball, and we're driving down with two minutes left, and we run three plays right up the middle. We, we don't, we're not aggressive. We give the ball back to the other team, and it's like, what are we doing? I mean, I, I just, you know, we've talked about this. I don't like our head coach. Uh, we have way, way too much talent on this team to continue to keep playing like this. I mean, we're, we're barely beating terrible teams, and it's a setup for me as a Raider fan. I've been a Raider fan my whole life. And it's another setup. It's like, you know, here we go again. We're going to win seven games, eight games. McDaniels is probably going to get, keep his job because we were better than last year. And we're just going to keep in this ugly cycle uh, of, you know, bad football. When do we get out of it? I, I, I don't know the answers, but I know how to solve part of the problem is. I think we need a new head coach. And I need, we, we need to keep these players that we have. Max Crosby keeps saving us and you know how long you're at this rate all right Chris, I, I respect your opinion you've been a raider fan your whole life uh they're three and three so the coaches are good they're three and three okay there's a lot of coaches here that have one win or have two wins okay so i, I try to dip the show in reality i know you're frustrated with a lot of things and i appreciate you calling in on all this yep the the typical offense of the raiders the last couple of years has been try to establish the run to open up the pass. Now they can't establish the run, and the passing game is limited because the offensive line isn't very good. I think we all understand the Raiders need a couple more, just a few more, few more players. I'm not saying everybody's got to be patient about it. You don't have to be patient. You could be whatever the hell you want. But Dave Ziegler needs one more draft, but clearly one more year of free agency to fill in the final holes of this roster, which I believe are right tackle, right guard, another linebacker, another corner with established younger than Peters, whatever it's going to be. But not like six players on offense and five on defense. Just two, two offensive linemen, maybe the trade deadline, wink, wink, linebacker in the offseason, and I think the roster will be improved, but who cares about that? Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. All I want to do next is beat Chicago. Brought to you by the 872 Laborers, led by Tommy White.
More importantly, learning to listen. Josh is a great mentor, great leader for us, for me especially, and had been around him uh, for a number of years uh, in the past, and he gave me this opportunity. You just got to be able to listen. And I think most of the good leaders I've been around, they're really good listeners. And whatever adjustments we make throughout schematically or whatever it may be, you got to be able to listen and then just be able to look at it, watch the tape, evaluate, figure out what group you have and, and build it around there. But you can't be stubborn. I know that. It's all about evolving throughout the season, less about creation, more about evolving throughout the season. And that comes from listening. That's Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator from earlier today. He's a sharp guy, smart. He went to Yale, a lot smarter than me. I went to Geneseo State University, which is the Harvard of the New York SUNY system now. But, you know, I didn't take any classes, barely didn't take science. And that guy went to Yale. So when Patrick Graham says something, I listen because he's a very sharp guy. He's really smart and he's improved on the defense. Uh, As I talk to Bobby and some other people, I, I say the most unique thing about my job is I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky to have a platform and people that actually listen. And some people listen closer than others. And what I, what I want to remind everybody about Patrick Graham is you killed the guy on this radio show. You just were awful to him. A lot of people and maybe one person has called in and said, nice job, coach. I don't know how you call yourself a Raider fan. I don't want to be too personal here when you just can't say something nice about a coach who's doing really well and his unit's doing well and you just can't compliment him. I don't know, how you, I don't know why you can't do that. I'm not saying that you think he's the answer. But two years ago, Patrick Graham was on the short list of multiple teams to become a head coach in the NFL, an African-American head coach, which is a huge topic, ask Eric Bieniemy and some other coaches that should have been elevated to head coaching status a long time ago. And Patrick Graham was on that list. And maybe he took a step back last year. Maybe he's on the list again. But I think you got to show the coach a little bit of respect and encourage him to do better. You know, you see Patrick Graham in town. I don't know where he lives. I don't know where he shops. I don't know what restaurants he goes to. But you'd love to meet the guy. When I was a part of the preseason broadcast calling the games, he was in a couple of our meetings. What a gentleman. First thing he said coming into one of the rooms is, goes, JT, I've been listening to you for 20 years in the middle of the night. I said, well, that's what happens. Everyone, Rich Gannon started cracking up. He said, yeah, JT's been known to be on late at night. I'm like, yeah, coach, thanks for that. He heard me when he was in Boston and all these other stops. So you build a little bit of relationship with the guy. You like the guy. You root for the guy. And now his defense is becoming legit. It's not a top 10 defense yet, but there's some good players on this team. And he talks about listening. I I think over the last two weeks, the biggest improvement for me has been the defensive tackles. We're calling Bilal Nichols' name now. He's part of a safety in the end zone, and the safeties are playing better. Are the safeties elite? I don't think that Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrig are going to be considered pro bowlers. But they're playing well as of late, and we're seeing some pretty good play overall from Divine Diablo. We're seeing some Hall of Fame type of play from Max Crosby. And then it's a little bit of shaky. It's shaky at the cornerback position. I don't think Amik Robinson is a great corner. I think he's serviceable, and he has a good game from time to time. I'm disappointed in Marcus Peters' overall play. And we all know that Jacorian Bennett, it's a work in progress. He's going to get burned on a couple of plays, but maybe get better. So Patrick Graham is the glue to get this defense to play better, and now they have confidence, which is fun to see. Paul Gutierrez will join us from ESPN as we're brought to you by Resorts World. All the great shops and restaurants, 
and Doghouse Saloon for Monday, Thursday, and Sunday football.